Welcome to episode 155 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are looking at The Goldberg Variation, original air date of December 12, 1999, average IMDb user score of 8.4 out of 10, and the action primarily takes place in Illinois. This is Season 7, Episode 6. So the episode starts with a guy winning a poker game. Now, the guy who won the poker game is clearly new to the game, and yet he cleans the clocks of the experienced tough guys that he's playing with, who end up, instead of letting him cash out and keep his winnings, throwing him off the 29th story building that they were playing in. He falls through an open hole in the concrete and then just gets up, holding one hand over his face, and walks away. After the credits, we find Mulder and Scully in Illinois. They're trying to figure out what happened. Scully's suggestion is that maybe he just got really, really lucky. Maybe he survived this 30-story fall by just the perfect combination of circumstances to make that possible. Which I love because this is one of the rare times when Scully's allowed to be right on her very first shot at an explanation, as opposed to Mulder's shot in the dark that is so often right based on no evidence and just complete intuition. We follow them as they interact with Henry Weems, played by Willie Garson, and Weems just finds he tends to have extreme good luck, but that would cause extreme bad luck to the people around him. And unfortunately, one of those people around him is a boy that's got liver issues. He's waiting for a liver transplant, but it's not going to get there in time. That's why Weems is trying to use his luck to make money, first trying to get that money from gangsters, thinking, well, something bad happens to them. Oh, well, they kind of deserve it. He eventually tries to get a lottery ticket, and in a scene which may or may not have inspired My Name is Earl, it's very similar. He wins $100,000 in the lottery, finds out that he's going to get it in chunks over the course of a year, says, oh no, he needs it faster than that, throws the ticket away, and another customer ignores his warnings, takes the ticket, runs out with it, and gets hit by a car immediately. So as it all plays out, he's trying to run from the mob who think that he cheated them. Everyone who comes after him ends up having extreme bad luck and ends up dead or hospitalized, you know, tripping over just the right thing, electrocutions, whatnot. The mob tried to get to him through the, the young boy, Richie's mother, by kidnapping her. When Weems goes to confront them, again, just this incredibly lucky circumstance, the mobsters end up dead, and one of the mobsters is that perfect more than one in a million shot donor that can provide exactly the liver that Richie needs to survive. So it is a very dark comic episode. There is humor here, but it's often twisted humor. There is multiple references to Wile E. Coyote, because this guy also likes to build Rube Goldberg-style devices. Again, Mulder and Scully, like last week, don't have a huge influence over the outcome, aside from, you know, maybe pushing Weems and convincing him to take action instead of just sitting on the side. But ultimately, it really is Weems himself that drives the plot. So this is directed by Thomas J. Wright. He previously directed the episode Millennium. This is his second of three X-Files episodes. And his third and final episode is actually not that far down the road. This was written by Jeffrey Bell. This is his third of five episodes of the X-Files. 
Number four is later in season seven, and his fifth and final will be in season eight. Now, as for the guest cast, the man who plays Harry Weems had previously appeared in a season three episode called The Walk. The actor's name is Willie Garson. He's got 159 credits to his name. He's played Gerard Hirsch on Hawaii Five-O, Stanford Blatch in Sex in the City, a couple of characters on White Collar. He only has three also known for credits on the IMDb, despite having 159 credits to his name. Some of them, you know, he played Lee Harvey Oswald in Quantum Leap. He was Carl in Mr. Belvedere. He goes back to a made-for-TV movie in 1986, before playing waiters in both Family Ties and Cheers. So, you know, he, he's got a long history of small roles. The neighbor Maggie Lapone is played by Allison Reed. She's got 89 credits to her name, including roles as Miss Darbus in the High School Musical movies, Jag, Journeyman, voice work in StarCraft II and Diablo III, and a variety of credits going back to 1985. Rami Zada has 39 acting credits to his name. He plays Joe Catrona here. This is his only X-Files credit, but his acting credits seem to end in 2007 after starting in 1952. Although I seriously question how the IMDb assigns a year to that credit, since it also says he was born in 1958. Dominic is played by Tony Longo. 154 acting credits to his name, often as tough guys in other projects, including Sixteen Candles, Fletch, Angels in the Outfield, and Eraser. Now, Nicholas Wirth, who was Paulie and Darkman, he was in Heartbreak Ridge, No Way Out, 99 acting credits to his name, plays Mr. Haas in this. This is his only X-Files credit, although Star Trek fans may recognize him as Lonzak from a couple episodes of Voyager, specifically Bride of Chaotica and Shattered. Dom Maguilli has his only X-Files credit here as Mr. Ng. He's also in 51st Dates, American Street Fighter, Much Do About Nothing, and more. And we're seeing similar patterns from Marshall Banesh, early Lee Banks, Chris Fogelman, Dominic DePrima, and Bobby Moynihan. They're all regularly working actors, but not with any huge roles that really make them stand out. The guest star that really does deserve some attention Young Richie Lapone is played by none other than Shia LaBeouf. So this is fairly early in his career. He'd done Breakfast with Einstein, Caroline in the City, Monkey Business, and a couple other sitcoms as kind of the Kid of the Week guest star. But he would, of course, go on to play Sam Witwicky in the Transformers movies, Mutt Williams in Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Jake Moore in Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, Jerome in both volumes of Nymphomaniac. He's also known for Lawless Fury and American Honey, and is still working today. So overall, the Goldberg variation is an entertaining episode. Again, it would be nice if Mulder and Skelly had a little more influence over the final outcome of the plot, but you know, it's certainly not terrible. It's not the end of the world or anything. And the humor does balance out a lot of it and bring it forward. So I would say it is one of the stronger episodes of Season 7. As far as the science is concerned, things are possible. You know, these are all extreme probabilities, but no individual impossibilities. The thing that has no basis in science is finding 
one character that's always the consistent nexus of extremely good luck. And then there's a balancing act where extremely bad luck happens to someone else. That part is pushing it, and they don't really even pretend to explain how and why it's happening. But, you know, that's not really what the show has ever been about. It's just each individual event, though unlikely, is actually possible this time. And again, I do really appreciate the fact that Skelly was the one who was correct right from the start, and Mulder's harebrained theory about an invulnerable man was completely out to lunch. You'd think he would have picked up on that when he found Mr. Invulnerable's glass eye. Anyway, that's about all we have to say about the Goldberg variation. Join us again in two weeks' time when we discuss Horizon. Thank you for listening.